Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and hey, thanks for tuning in tonight to your show, Raising Expectations, and uh, we're certainly glad you took time out of your day and your evening to be with us, and we think you'll be glad. We know you're in for a blessing. We've got a wonderful show for you tonight, very special guest, again, backed by popular demand. Uh, You're in for a great evening when we let her share what God's been doing in her life and actually how that impacts you and how we can better be a blessing to everyone we meet uh, by how we can learn from what she has to say. So thanks for tuning in again. And very quickly tonight, uh, I want to give you the roundup uh, and and head. uh, This time we're going to go to the East Coast first. Let's let's sneak up on them, folks. What do you say? You ready back there on the East Coast? There you go. Craig's always ready. We're starting the East Coast. So let's go back to two of our favorite people in the world. We've got uh, Stephanie and Dr. Craig Thayer. Uh, Stephanie and Craig. Stephanie's on the left. Craig's on the right. You probably knew that already. But as you know that, Stephanie does an incredible job as a health and welfare uh, and wellness. Uh, welfare is part of wellness. Anyway, <laughs> okay. you take care of the whole thing that way. She covers all the bases. She's a step ahead of most of them. That's what I'm saying. So uh, she helps. She loves the Lord and she and her husband are wonderful Christ followers and uh Together, uh, they minister. He's a health and well care specialist also. He's also a surgeon. And together, we lovingly call them the dynamic duo because they not only help people physically and emotionally, but they bring them spiritually to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing we can do in the time in which we live. He may be coming back for us, for we know it. So welcome again all the way from Dalton, Georgia, just in the bend of the Chattanooga River there near Tennessee. So uh, we're sure glad they're here tonight. Then we're going to come back to Central America. Central America, the great state of Texas, and we have with us the one and only favorite pastor we have there, and that is Pastor Ron Greer from McKinney, Texas. Ron has run for Congress. Ron is a Marine. Ron is a special uh, man of God. He's, he works right now in discipleship with a wonderful organization in Florida called Man in the Mirror, and like we so often say, Paul and I signed up for them, but when we looked in the mirror, we scared ourselves. So he works with men that aren't afraid when they do that, and he helps men become the men they need to be. Godly men loved by their wives, their children, their families, and they can make a difference in the world because of what he shares from his heart. He's a great man of God, loves God with all his heart. Ron, we love you. We're glad you're here tonight. Great to have you. And besides, you look so impressive with that bookcase, doesn't he, Paul? I'm impressed. That that is so impressed. (laughs) Dan speaks 
That's it, exactly. All right. And then all the way starting in Lompoc on the West Coast, going all the way west, north of Santa Barbara, just a little bit of of mileage up there, is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired pastor, not a retired theologian, though. He's a Bible teacher. He's uh, loved and respected by countless people. He's He's been my friend for 50 years, and uh, he's like a brother to me also. And uh, he uh, he theologues. So some of you that are new tonight, theologue is a brand new word that we made up, but it's powerful. It's really powerful. Some of you text me at times, and I hear you say, what is theologue again? So it's when Paul <laughs> takes his knowledge theologically and puts it into what we see in the world today, and it makes a big difference. So Paul Hall right there, Pastor Paul, Dr. Paul right there in uh, Lompoc, California. Lompoc. Almost got through that one, said it right both times, Ron. Did you see that? Boy, I tell you, you guys must be praying for me. The Thayers are holding me up. There you go. That's good. (laughs) Okay. Hey, folks, we're going to move right along tonight because we have back with you, as you know, one of our favorite people in the world, uh, she and her husband, uh, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Dr. Marianne Cintron and William, Will we call him Cintron, live in Southern California. She is a dyslexia specialist, and I love the phrase she uses, I want you to be heard. I understand how hard it is. And she helps people. She restores people to hearing and understanding. She also, in doing so, heals families. Families come together, and everybody loves to hear and to what she's going to say and to see the smile she wears because they walk with the Lord also. When you walk with the Lord, he has a purpose in each one of our lives. And tonight, we're going to ask her to share with us, and we're going to respond to that, to a new direction that God's giving her that's all part and parcel of this. And we're excited. We've been kind of praying for her in this. And uh, so we'll be asking questions and when she begins on this and uh, follow up with her on this. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for being with us. Welcome tonight to our program with our patented, round-the-clock, incredible welcome with handshake. Let's welcome <laughs> Dr. Marianne and Will Cintron. Here you go. Welcome to Raising <laughs> There you go. Thank you for another wonderful opportunity to be with you all tonight. And I am so blessed that I have a husband who's so supportive. Amen. I mean, he never thought I was even going to get into education when we met, because education is oh, my amen. third career. And it wasn't until our kids were in school, I started helping in the classroom and volunteering. And they said, well, you should go get this volu- this credential or certificate and get paid for being in here. And so I got a certificate and then I got a substitute degree and I was working in a mental health hospital, which really started nurturing my heart and preparing me to work with at-risk populations. And then I accepted the Lord. Um, I had accepted the Lord about 15 years earlier, but I was in a prison environment where I was matched with inmates who had committed murder. And I had like three people that I was, you know, partnering with just to encourage them in the Lord. And uh, what I'm going to share with you today is how the Lord is bringing me 360, a full circle, working with incarcerated adults, which is really a cool thing. Amen. So Amen. you want to, should I just keep talking? <laughs> Anybody want to say hi first and then she's ready. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Thank I got you. <laughs> and your hair looks nice. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> no, I was going to say that too. He just beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was going to say your hair looks nice too, Ron. But um. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> And I will Ron thinks your hair looks nice too, brother. So hey. there you go. <laughs> That's my halo. Dr. Marianne, you better just keep going, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> the clock is gonna kill us. <laughs> so what are you doing with the jail folk? Well, yes. a couple of episodes ago, we talked about some research we were gonna be doing doing brain imaging with some elementary school kids in in my community, and we were gonna see how the brain imaging uh, changed for kids who used my reading program with music and those who used it without music. Mm -hmm. But that fell through um, because the school district didn't want their kids involved in research. And it was really, really sad because we had a $70,000 grant. Mm -hmm. And so that we lost it. So what the Lord has done, which I'm just amazed in, is that He's connected me with some people involved with the prison ministries, and they have a funder who's very interested. I'm going to keep their names anonymous because this is still in process, but they're very interested in helping not the kids. We were thinking the the families who are related to the incarcerated adults, but nothing's being done to help the incarcerated adults learn to read. And 65.9% of inmates in prison can't read above a fourth grade level, actually above a third grade level, but entering fourth grade, they just don't have those literacy skills. <laughs> so um, what has been so passionate in my heart, and I even wrote a book called Prisms of Brilliance, talking about the illiteracy in the prisons, is that um, kids are dropping out of high school thirty-five at a rapid rate. 35% of kids who drop out of high school are dyslexic. So um, I could throw a little bit of money facts out mm-hmm. there, which is kind of interesting. If you have a child in California in the pu- public schools, the school receives $13,000 a year for that child. If your child's in special ed, they receive twice that much. So $26,000 per, per year. In the prisons in California, 40, dollars or $46,000 per inmate. So it behooves us to remediate the kids before they even get to fourth grade. And, you know, I had a, a friend who used to work for the Department of Justice, and he said in a state back east, I won't mention the state, but they used to look at the illiteracy rate of third graders to determine how many prisons to build. Mm-hmm. Will you now, tell me again? Because I'm taking notes. What okay. The, this for is, inmates? Uh, for inmates, forty six, forty three to forty six thousand. Is that California? Or in California, California. and so, uh, yeah, so opinion, they look at the illiteracy rate to determine how many prisons to build. Wow. So, um, wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think the optimal age of detecting kids with dyslexia would be? Well, so we should start reme- finding out first, second, third grade. They need to start remediation right. in first, second, and third grade. You know, our daughter used to draw faces upside down in kindergarten, and she's brilliant. She's a nurse at UCLA. So kindergarten is, isn't the marker of, oh, no, she can't do this and that. You know, they want the kids to have good teachers and learn the beginning steps of reading. But when I noticed how my kids were being taught in kinder and first grade, there was really a strategy to teaching reading and writing. And I knew if those teachers weren't taught correctly, they could send my kids on a wrong trajectory. Mm 
So that is really what stirred in my heart. I wanted to go back to school and help those kids read like that who were, were really struggling. So anyway, we, um, I've been approached. Well, I've been really reaching out. So the Lord has really connected me with people who have a heart to help the adults in prison. And, you know, I think about all of us have, I, I know people who've been in prison, whether they're a friend or a family member a church friend who's, you know, been out of prison, but some of them just made bad choices. But what about those people in there who really want to get change their lives and make something good of their lives, but they just can't read. And a lot of people don't know dyslexia has a genetic component, but 40%. So 40% of um, the adult or kids who are dyslexic have you know that genetic component for an adult. I had one of my stories in my testimony is that when I had an after school reading program and I started using music to with the multi-sensory reading approach, there was a grandpa who was raising his granddaughter because the mom was in prison. And he told me, I'm going to use the name Daniela for sake of no remembering her name. I never thought I would be here 15 years ago. And he said, um, we're bringing her to you because she loves music. And none of the other programs after school have helped her. So after two weeks, he started noticing remarkable improvement in her desire to learn to read, to, to go to class, not have detentions, and her behavior at home. And after only six weeks, so you can note 30 hours of intervention is really all someone needs to get get over that hump and break the code and learn to read. But he, after 30 hours, he said, what are you doing? This is a miracle. He said, our home used to be a battlefield, and now she gets along with us. She gets along with her peers. He actually started crying right in front of me. And, he, and I said, sir, we're using music, and nobody's doing it, but music is the missing link to helping kids read. I, said, I, I have a couple thoughts on this because we have – one issue, which is prevention. And then we have another issue, which is remediation, right? So what, what right. you want to talk about now is about inmates and what do we do for them? But on the prevention side, I was just scribbling notes, you know, uh, most dyslexics are brilliant. If you look at the data, they That's are right. off the charts brilliant. So you take these really smart people who think differently, by the way, 15% of people are dyslexic. So it's it's more common 100%. than being left-handed. So I just want to make a point. We have a child that's left-handed. Why do we accommodate left-handedness, but we don't accommodate dyslexia in our schools? Yeah. But they gravitate generally towards arts, music, drama, mm-hmm. and all of those programs are cut or physical activity. So if you have a kid who's not behaving in class, guess what? They don't get to do any of those things, and it's exactly what they need. So that drives me bananas. And that is going to keep perpetuating itself if all of these incarcerated, there's such a high, I know it's it's more than a quarter of all incarcerated have learning disabilities, right? So then it's generation. 65.9%. Okay. I was looking it up. I knew it was high. I didn't know it was that high. So we're perpetuating this for these poor families because the odds are that their children are going to have some of these, right? So they're literally being set up for failure over and over and over again. Yes. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Stephanie was one of my hosts on my YouTube. I mean, one of my guests on my YouTube and also her husband, who is a brilliant dyslexic surgeon. And I love you both. 
and mm-hmm. you're so educated and you have a dyslexic son. So you've really advocated for um, your son and, and Tank mm-hmm. didn't, didn't even know he had dyslexia till he saw his son having the same mm-hmm. challenges he had. So, and when you come, when you talk about costs, because honestly, we, we ended up having to do a lot out of pocket for our son. And and honestly, it was more expensive than some of our kids that were in college at the time. It's, it's very pricey. And when I see what it costs in California, which is where we were, or how much is given for special ed and how much does not trickle down to the student. And what I know it would cost to have it in a classroom environment for the, the student. And then you go beyond to now you have someone that's in prison for five, 10, 20 years. If we look at the cost and not just the cost, but we didn't give these folks a chance. And that yeah. is very, very troubling to me because um, unless I am wrong, we are all entitled to a good education. And that is not yeah. what is happening. And it's not for lack of trying. It's it's a system thing. There's a lot of wonderful people. So just like you, Dr. Mary, and I'm not picking on, we have lots of administrative friends and and um, teacher friends and all that, but it's a broken system at this point for anyone with a difference, yeah. right? It really yeah. is. Just yeah. imagine, you know, the, the savings that, that the schools can have, you know, <clears throat> catching this, you know, kids at an early age. And, yes. and getting them, you know, third grade and fourth grade and getting them reading, self-esteem is high. And like you said, many of them, you know, they're, they're brilliant and they got a talent that, uh, needs to come out, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, right. when they're, when their self-esteem is, is, is low, mm-hmm. that talent doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't manifest Surface. itself. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's how many in, in prison mm-hmm. have a, a unique talent? And um, it would be wonderful to see this program really take off and, um, and, and see, you know, men change their, their lives. Uh, you know, it's never too late. And you could even double up like Ron and you, the way you minister to fellows who need that touch, that discipleship touch afterwards. That's like a left, right. We've got you. I, that's good. It's really well, I, well, uh, this is something close to my heart uh, in that I did um, uh, 24 years of uh, ministry in prison, and we did 18 years of what we go aftercare, uh, trans- helping guys transition after they got out of prison. Uh, we went so far as to do a little different than most people. We've had uh, 37 people live with us, and 29 of those ex-prisoners got right out of prison uh, to mm-hmm. come and live in our home, anywhere from three months to eight months. Uh, and part of my my job at the time, well, I was a volunteer, but I worked for Prison Fellowship. And one of the things was uh, helping them do research and also helping train correctional officers, educators, and volunteers. And one of the things we discovered back in the 80s was that very thing, is that the, the, the reading level uh, for most adult men and women alike, mostly men, as you, as you said, was on a fourth grade level, um, which people didn't didn't and don't make the connection between their criminal activity and their lack of their inability to read uh, and, to, and to education. It's because criminal activity is something available to them when a decent job isn't. And that's not a lot of thing has to go with, do with their pride and their egos and their embarrassment and those sort of things. And all, all that kind of adds to that. Uh, but the thing, the other thing that we discovered, we actually instituted in a couple of places 
was getting a number of prisons to allow uh, colleges and, and educators to come in and have programs in the prison. Uh, our recidivism rate, we did a study usually every two years. Uh, men or women who finished a college degree uh, were somewhere like, I think it's like 8% uh, less likely to return to prison. Uh, those who finished high school were somewhere at 65%. And the men who learned to read at a 7th, 8th grade level, those numbers dropped even more. Now, now compare that to the average inmate who spent more than a year in prison. If they were released, they will go. The ninety some percent of them would be back in prison within three years of their release. Mm-hmm. So you, you you take all that and clump it together, and then you factor in not only does it cost like thirty one thousand dollars, and some say some say it's more to keep a person incarcerated, but incarceration rate grows. They build more prisons. A prison cell. Per sale, it's somewhere between eighty to ninety thousand dollars to build. Wow! Yeah, and then the cost of thirty-one thousand after that. So the cost is, is astronomical, and it, and the prison population continues to grow. So that this cost isn't reducing. I would say in most states, the cost of prison is probably one of the highest things in a, in a state budget, above everything else. And that goes. For, you, know, you start in nineteen eighty. We started. There was five hundred forty thousand men in prison and women. By 2000, uh, by 2001, somewhere in there, there were over 2 million. And that number has only grown since then. So, and again, and one of the things that we discovered throughout and always saw, education, reading, and the ability to, to read and, <laughs> and to learn was probably one of the most central issues among inmates, but one of the things least likely dealt with at all. Um, and so you got guys like me, I got involved because I got saved in the prison, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, the 1970s. Uh, it's one of one of the reasons I had such a passion about it. And at the same time, I was one of those kids also who had learning disabilities all my life, uh, never addressed. And when I, I left high school early, went in the Marine Corps, they did an IQ test, came back after I got out of boot camp and wanted me to go into a special program because uh, I had an IQ of like 123. Now, I barely finished high school, barely. Finish high school. Mm. I barely finished anything I ever done through school, and I always assumed that I wasn't that smart. I was just stupid. Exactly. But it was it's because no one ever ever discovered that I had this learning disability. I made ED and a few other things. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway, well, so again, subject. <laughs> well, there's a scripture Matthew 25 verse 40 through 45, but I'll share. Where the, where the people said, Lord, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? And when did we feed you in prison? And the Lord said, in as much as you do this to the least of these, you've done it for me. Amen. And I think there's really a ministry opportunity to work with yeah. those incarcerated adults. And it's pretty interesting. Um, so you just want to bring a reading program to the prison, right? How, how hard could that be? Well, COVID brought one challenge because now everything has to be digital because you just can't go in and bring curriculum. It has to be digital. So the Lord had me create my digital files before COVID or because of COVID. And we're taking it to Africa and India and it's going around the, 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 the world. So those digital files are available. And then the other thing is, you can't just bring, people just don't bring a reading program to the prison. Think about how many, there's a lot of popular reading programs that schools are using, but um, you have to bring it in a research model. So that puts another 
twist to it. And these organizations don't want to do any more research. They just want to sell the program and make some money. Well, mm-hmm. I'm all into how can we help the uh, the adults. So to do the research, which is just going to see how many, you know, we'll have 25 adults, 10 will use, 15 will use music and 10 won't. So how will they'll all make significant improvement, but how will those who are using the music make that additional significant improvement, which is what we discovered when I got my doctorate. I have another question for, I have a question for you. The other one was a question was a diatribe. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned, because that's the thing I'm curious about. So you have digital files. My question is how do the inmates access that? Because Again, it requires a computer, electronic right. device, and they're extremely limited in prison, although most people don't know that. They don't have access to those sort of things. Well, the, so the people, how, how are they going to address that? The people that I'm working with um, know what's going on in the prisons, and I would actually like another tour because I haven't been to one for so yeah. long. But it's going to be on a Zoom platform, okay. and yeah. I'm, I'm envisioning some kind of a room where – Probably um, chapel or something. Yeah, where they can bring a laptop mm-hmm. and they'll have supervision, but it's it's going to be on Zoom. And so 30 hours could be twice a week. It mm-hmm. could be more. It just depends. And they're all going to have one-on-one tutors and it's they're going to be volunteers because mm-hmm. the grant's going to pay for the volunteers to be trained. Praise God. Praise God. But, you know, we use manipulatives when we teach reading. So we have plastic letters and we have little chips. So all that has to be cardboard. So I yeah. have digital files of circles and digital files of letters because mm-hmm. they'll be cut out and they're just going to use pieces of paper as manipulatives. And that's really where we got started 18 years ago. I was making my own manipulatives that way. Right. Oh, wow. So now is, is there, a, is there a, a, a plan in the foreseeable future where you'll be able to go on site and do that uh, live, do you think? Well, I I have uh, the the training videos are for the tutors to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as me, I wouldn't go in and train because there's no need to anymore. I've spent the time and, you know, to create the training videos to expedite that. And um, as far as when this when this could get started, we're, you know, I've just submitted the proposal, which has to go to the board of the funder. And, you know, we have some researchers in mind who would conduct this research, unless I want to go get another doctorate. No. <laughs> I said no. No, honey, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, told, I told Joe, I have as many degrees as a thermometer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so they have there's a researcher that they're asking us to look into to see if he would be a good researcher for us. And as, as soon as the board says, go for it, we, you know, the IRB was already, the internal review board was already approved last year when we were going to do it for the oh sorry the, the high school the high school or the 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 elementary school here. So the IRB approval should be expedited. We're just changing instead of fifth graders, we're going to be working with adults. So I can see it happening pretty efficiently, and I'm so excited. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's great, huh? Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'll wait. <laughs> well, I guess I, guess I, I just want to, again, uh, I'm kind of excited about the whole conversation, too. <laughs> I really am. Uh, it, it's just one of my things in my field house uh, for years. Um, because I, I, I don't think people really grasp 
um, the potential impact uh, of this. It really does. Um, it's a, a man coming out of prison, a woman coming out of prison who can now read and who's gotten some high school diploma and even some college classes. They can transform their, their lives. But more so than that, the, uh, the, it's, I mean, the, uh, the reality of being in intact with their kids and their family when they leave just skyrockets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I mentioned that statistic where if you've been in prison for one year or two years, I think it's usually about one year. If you were married when you went in, you're going to be divorced within the first year of your, uh, when you're released. If you're not divorced when you're incarcerated. And, and after that, it's like within the first, if you if last the first year, if you, you last the first year, then within the next two years, usually you're going to be divorced and separated from your family. That's if you're married. Uh, about 90% of men, uh, black men in particular, have children who are incarcerated. If they're incarcerated, they have children. And for whites and Latinos, it's somewhere around 65 and 70%. If that man can come out with an education and the ability to read, his, his um, collateral consequences, we call them, are greatly reduced. Uh, those collateral consequences will determine whether or not he can connect with his kids, connect with his wife, or at least at the point where he can connect with his kids in a way we can take care of them or provide something for them, which builds that relationship. It, it, the thing, they're just layer after layer after layer uh, that this thing will, will impact. That, it's phenomenal. And what we're really hoping and praying is that this is a model for other philanthropists to want to partner with us. And, and, you know, we're starting with 25 inmates. That's not very many, right? But there's that's no that's research. Simple. There's yeah. no research out mm-hmm. there because right. nothing's been done to help the adults with dyslexia. And mm-hmm. so we're, it's groundbreaking for us. And we've been doing this for 18 years, wow. but um, we have a nonprofit. So organizations can contact us if they want to consider sponsoring some volunteers. Mm-hmm. to help the inmates. And mm-hmm. then it, just imagine this takeoff to the other prisons in California and then across the nation. We're very excited for that. Incredible, incredible opportunity. It'd be, it'd be interesting to add a trauma therapist because I think, I mean, I can absolutely see that I was stupidly blessed in my <laughs> life because I could have easily fallen down that path. I'd get in third grade. I'm embarrassed in a dark room trying to read words backwards, forwards skipping lines in the next week, I'm going to diff the other third grade class with all the hoodlums. So, um, and then our play project yeah. that year was kept in the back closet under the sink moist. So we could take some of it during the day and throw it at people. So, I mean, <laughs> I was tied to a chair in fifth grade. Um, Mr. Hill was a green beret. He had a bopper. It got named after me because I set the record for 271 bops in a year. So the Thayer Thumper. Wow. Um, but I had milestones that affected my my ego, which is math. And then because I swam competitively, the Kennedy thing of the presidential award for they had you run. And, and I'm like, I'm running with the bullies. And I'm like, they're out of breath. And then I could take off. And I like, who's this kid? Thayer. I've never seen him. Because I Or scum. I love it. So yeah, I'm born. I got to pee. Um, <laughs> sorry. See, it's just me. I got hit in the head with a lobe damage. Um, no, but I mean, you know, and you, I, I've been to every single principal in elementary school, junior high, and high school. So you get beaten down, right? And then 
Yeah. And if you just hang out with the wrong crowd, yeah. all hell breaks loose. And then you get incarcerated. And then, yeah. Right. You well, you know, the, the, the other friends that I have, oh, sorry. Go ahead. The other friends are, and the men that I've known that are dyslexic or either other, other learned disabilities. It, it's, it's, and it's, it, there's a, 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 a shame, level of shame, right? So even when they suspect that something's wrong, and then some of those who know, right? They never, ever tell anybody. They never, ever let uh, a public with it, never let it out. They cover it up and they hide it and they, you know, kind of live it out other kind of ways. So even when there may be some level of help, they're not going to tell anybody. You know? right. So that's and having, having something like this available to them. And when there is a, there's a volunteer there, there is access to it. And it's something, a program that's, you know, sort of sanctioned by the prison. And that removes all kinds of barriers, you know. I, I was one of those kids too. There, uh, I think, uh, Mr. Herman Goldberg. My parents were on first name basis at Hopkins Street School. <laughs> I got suspended. I was told I got suspended thirty four times in one year. <laughs> oh, don't you find that hard to believe? I mean, you know, it, I, it's really something, isn't it? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. God, God's hand was on you, and That's you know, right. Stephanie, you asked about how how do you bring this program to the schools? Well. Before COVID, we were going to bring it to the after-school programs because the SELPAs, which are the special ed coverings, they have everything under control, so they say. Then we had, you know, we didn't want to stir trouble up with the union, so we'd have to bring this in an after-school program. A lot of those kids in those after-school programs have single-parent homes or they have both parents working, and, and we would have just assessed those kids to see if they were eligible to be in this program. And then we were going to train the vol- the people who were the after school interve- the after school workers. And I've recently had a gal who's a tutor and she wondered how can she help at the schools? And I said, we would introduce it to the after school program, let it be after school. Maybe they could pay a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what I told her was you can make a donation because she goes to a private school. I said, you can make a donation and get a teacher trained, and then that teacher can work after school with your daughter however many days you want, and you can pay her 50 bucks an hour because that's what teachers are pretty much getting for after school tutoring anyway. But let let a parent make that initial investment to train a teacher. And yes. then that teacher would, of course, be agreeing to continue working with the child after school. This could be in a homeschool setting. This could be in a private school setting or in a public school setting. Either one. That's the way to do it. The old principal's antenna is going up on me, but yeah. else, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. talk away. <laughs> when, when Ron was talking, you know, we talk a lot on this program about the breakdown of families and really mm-hmm. men, strong men as the leader of the home, a faith-based home, and how important that is. And so, Ron, when you were talking, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, this should be a huge thing for the Black community. I mean, I know we talk all the time about the percentage of them that are incarcerated, and, you know, it's a turn mill, and I'm, I'm sure it's more complicated than I understand. But what happens in the releasing? So the odds of success, if we can get them this education that they should have gotten when they were eight years old, by the way, Mm -hmm. then leads to the opportunity to be present for their children. And when you said that, I was like, oh, you know, this is all very interconnected. Yes. 
right? And they feel better about themselves. And they I can do something now. Yeah. And I recently mm-hmm. heard a statistic that uh, before all of our social services that were offered to the Black community, about seventy percent of intact families married, yeah. and 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 now it's flipped completely the opposite. It's about thirty yeah. percent, and if, if that's that, heartbreaking. Yeah, you, you go up to that, the nineteen sixty three, sixty four. And that after that, the number just plummets for intact families. Out of wit, I mean, out of wedlock births skyrocket. Uh, all the absentee homes skyrocket. Uh, thanks, thanks for all the great government pro- health program. Yeah. Yes. I'd love to see that yeah. reversed. You know, I mean, yeah. And what you know, sadly, um, is from my my experience, right? The idea of dyslexia, ADD, and a number of other uh, uh, learning disabilities have somehow skyrocketed in those inner city uh, black communities as well. Uh, and, and, and Dr. Uh, Dr. Cent- Centrum, there's, there's nothing that I, in my years of experience that I've ever seen or heard of that to address that. Uh, it's, it, and I, I understand part of it uh, because part of our job, part of my uh, ministry was trying to get organizations to, to come into the community and, and do things uh, Helping for the kids in particular, but you know, how do you invite somebody to come to Third and Ring where there's a shooting every other every other night? Right. So I didn't I didn't fault them for not wanting to come uh, because we couldn't get the kids out to them or the adults out to them. So, and there are very few families who are crazy enough to do what we did. But but if there's not a, a huge emphasis and huge um, effort among the uh, Urban inner city communities uh, to address the issue. Uh, Nowhere that I'm, that I'm aware of. There's some things happening here and there, but it's not a, a major uh, common thing taking place. There is right. one step at a time, though. Yes, for such, what you're doing for such a time as this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, the other thing I was thinking you were talking about getting into school after school programs, and I'm thinking access is kind of brilliant. You know, you go around and do a, a run around. Uh, the teachers and administrators, and especially in at-risk schools and neighborhoods, they're always dying for somebody to come in and do something. So it's so you have a lot of barriers, Jim, that you don't have normally. But again, it's just it's getting the volunteers and and teachers and folks to to do that. But that would be a great subversive well, act, act on your part. <laughs> when we started the nonprofit in 2018. The first year I was writing grants furiously and I was traveling across the nation training teachers in another reading program. So the Lord had me create my own reading program. So the second year with the nonprofit, I kept writing grants, but everybody was saying, no one's going to fund you unless you get some smaller grants. So we did get a couple of small grants that second year. So the third year, but I, I just didn't see the open doors with the public schools. So the third year and the fourth year, we went to the home schools, the private schools, the charter schools. And, um, you know, now I, I'm reaching out to the, the teachers again because I'm having a lot of response with my emails that teachers really want su- support with this multi-sensory reading program. But they don't call me in for meetings and they don't call me in for trainings, but they're reading everything I email them and they're listening to things that I'm posting for free. I have a lot of trainings that are free on my YouTube and they're watching them. You can see the views. I've got over 1,200, 1,300 subscribers 
on my YouTube because people are being helped. And that's glory to God because, you know, I'm just giving from my heart. And, um, but the public schools have to come to me. They have to reach out because I'm tired of trying to knock down doors that aren't being open. So I think that working with the adults is just a beautiful 360 that the Lord's saying, now it's time to help. We're going to bring well, you over here, Marianne. Amen. And <laughs> it could be again. Yeah, amen. And it could be again God's perfect timing because the schools are in absolute chaos right now, as we all know. Nationally, it's unbelievable what's going on. However, you're developing something like everybody was saying. It doesn't have to be huge. You help 25 people. You help this. You help teachers. You're helping all kinds of people even now. The time's going to come because of your faithfulness. He's going to say, Public schools, maybe they're going to make it. Maybe they're not going to make it. But the the, the, yeah. the homeschools and the charters and the affiliates and everybody coming together, they're going to say, we are now ready to help all those kids who have come now, and we want to lift them and elevate them up, no matter what their background or who they are. And, you know, that's the time, hey, Lord, everything's fired up, wired up, we are set. And he's right there. You know, I just um, uploaded new stuff onto my store on Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm giving almost free. I, I'm just putting some like a dollar amount to it so that I could see um, who is ordering it and keep in touch with them. But I have a dyslexia pre-screen that they can download if they just look for my name, Mary, Dr. Marianne Cintron. That's great. And the, the Teachers Pay Teachers site is Cintron Orton Gillingham Reading Institute. So. A lot of stuff for free. I have planners there, how I get organized, how I do my daily lessons. And That's, then I have my curriculum on Teachers Pay Teachers. But it's also available on my website. Stephanie's got a thought on that. That yeah, sounds so good. I want to go. Some people may not know Teachers Pay Teachers is a website, teacherspayteachers.com. Think of like Etsy for art and creative. This is for teachers and educators. So. Right. Uh, especially homeschool community, uh, the the knowledge available to you from teachers that teach certain subjects, it's massive. But also if you have a child or even you as an adult are really interested in something, there is so much on there. So it makes me so happy that you're there because I think Amen. that's a very good platform for you to be sharing your content that hopefully could also then feed into the other resources that you have available for people. And when you guys were talking, it made me think, do you think you could get any movement at a school board level? I've seen more and more local believers get on school boards. And so there may be an open door that way. You mean for me to be on a school board? To to communicate with through the school board, go pitch the school board to, <laughs> I have to wait two years. <laughs> I mean, no, you could, but I think there's you're supposed to be doing something else. I have, I have presented. In fact, I've been at PTA, uh, the, the welcome back to the school of PTA and the local community and school board members would come to me at my table and say, Oh, we've got to talk and you need to get a hold of the art center in Pomona. So I, you know, they would connect me to people because they saw what I was doing was valuable, but, um, there's just so much politics in the schools. Yeah, it, it's going to get better. I, it's it, God's really working on all this. I, I think Paul's theologuing about something. <laughs> no, Paul what do you guys down. think? <laughs> no, I just had 26 questions. I, <laughs> um, those things are just going through my head. 
Um, just first of all, just kind of real practical question. You talked about music, Marianne, and I think one of the times you were with us before, you sort of guided us towards that kids are listening to classical. Is that yes. is that uh-huh. correct? Okay. Correct. My my son was who was always a really good student, did really well, made good grades and things like that. When he studied, he loved to have music, but it wasn't classical. It was head banging. And I would try to get him to stop that, you know, stop that, Sean, pay attention. And but to him, it was like, uh, well, he's a he's a he's a professional musician, guitarist now. But, there you, but go. <laughs> you, you know, that that was the path that he went. OK, I'm really curious because I think that there are people out there who'd say, gosh, this sounds like really good stuff. Could you, Marianne, give us. Just a brief synopsis, maybe of a lesson. How how would a lesson go? You know, so that I mean, there've got to be a lot of frustrated people. Who says this sounds really good, but but how do we do this? You know, can well, can walk, you know, walk. I, Paul, I would want to start by talking about a neuroscientist named Dr. Roger Sperry. Okay. And in the 1960s, he was popular for the split brain theory. He worked with Dr. Gazzaniga and they worked with seizure, five seizure patients, and they severed the central part of the brain called the corpus callosum. And they worked with the left side of the brain independently from the right side of the brain. And the seizure stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dr. Roger Sperry won a Nobel Prize for this 20 years later in the 1980s. So what was happening in the 1960s when he had this discovery, we took prayer out of the schools. Mm -hmm. And I think God just didn't let the schools learn this because he would say, if if educators could take this information into the classroom, we could help these kids who had dyslexia in the 1960s, it was called, but it's been around since the 1930s called Mm -hmm. word blindedness. So anyway, what happens is when you send music in the left ear, it crosses over to the right side of the brain and gives the right, the, the right angular gyrus a job it likes to do. And then we have spelling exercises that we play in our app. So the music is played simultaneously with the spelling exercises. The exercises play in the right ear and cross over to the left angular gyrus, giving it a job to do, I mean, training it like Pilates of the brain. But we're bypassing the corpus callosum, which is what he severed. And so there is the neuroscience. I've had neurologists say, you are on the cutting edge. This is quantum physics, Marianne. You know, if only the schools could see this. So we listened to music about 20 minutes for the whole session. Um, when we first start with the kids, we use we, we use phonogram cards, no music. Then we do, um, we use plastic circles to do some sound blending, no music. Then we use plastic letters. And no music, but we're building sounds and then building what we call phonemes, parts of words. Then the kids read um, on the digital platform where they could read a book. It's called, it's um, a phonics book that I have that does a lot of auditory and visual discrimination drills. That's when we play music in the left ear while they're reading from the screen. And this was a, was experimented when I was teaching at a private school put music in a a fourth grader's ear. And when he read from the computer, he could read it really smoothly. Without the music, he stammered and stuttered and just really struggled. 
And then likewise, when he would write, so when we work in our workbooks, we let them play music in the left ear again, because the same student couldn't connect columns of connected words without the music. He had a jaggedy line after a really delayed processing. With the music in his left ear, he could connect associated words on a whiteboard easily. So it was like, it works. And so the kids play music in the left ear when they're in the workbook. And then at the end, so then there's a couple of little drills we do. And then at the end of the hour, 60 minutes, 50 to 60 minutes, um, they do that. They use my music app. And that app is called CDSM, (laughs) Syntron Dyslexia Solutions with Music. And that's when they do a spelling test. And we start right away with the spelling test. If the words seem a little advanced for the kids, I just have them write the first two sounds. We The next time we meet, then they'll write the whole word. Or how about you just write the first sound? And you'd be surprised when kids start writing just the beginning sounds. And then another time they're writing the ending sounds of one syllable words. When you have them do it again, they'll write the whole word. But they're learning they're learning the, the phonemes and how the sounds go together. Amen. Great. Great. I that is, it. that's incredible. I mean. Did I answer your question, Paul? We've got, I got the letter coming up and we've got like four minutes. Uh, we're going to do something real special and then a quick wraparound. I want to thank everybody on behalf of all of us. Uh, some of you gave donation uh, this last week to help, uh, a gift to help us with the ministry here. And so we thank you very much for that. And uh, we developed, we took a boat on it, and we have a very special um, gift and donation uh, announcement maker with our team. And she does an outstanding job on this. And in fact, she was backed by special requests from last week. Right, guys? Do I see a right hand? A right, a right from Ron, a right from Paul, a right from, hey, we're all in this. Okay. You know why? Because the other... Three, not including you, have been pastors, and you've had to ask for money your whole That's life. It. It's a part That's of what it. he wants to do. But I understand because I also have a nonprofit. So we are a donation self-funded operation. We love serving you. We want to bring people together. We want to be love and light, show that God is always present um, and at the front of everything. Keep us on. That takes money. Uh, you can donate. You can also go and listen at bbsradio.com forward slash, I learned, raising expectations. Um, you can find our recordings, and there's also a donation button right there. And we greatly appreciate anything that you can do to help us out. Amen. And uh, anything God lays on your heart, we're already blessed. Thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate it very much. And uh, that was a very poignant point you made right there, uh, Tank. That was perfect timing on it. <laughs> perfect. We had team up on that one. That was excellent. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've you know, got... double Dutch jump rope. You got to time it. <laughs> that's, it that's it. Amen. We've got like three and a half minutes. Marianne, is there anything else that you'd like to put up? Because we're just, Will. Uh, we want to thank Will, too. Will, we're so glad you're here. And your discipleship gifts, the way you train men and work with men, you and Ron are so much alike in helping and blessing men. And you're just an inspiration to us. And we start having so much fun. But you're just one of the guys with us, Will. So we're sure glad that you're here with us also. If uh, if you wanted to say a word, maybe take two minutes, and then we, uh, we'll have to sign off. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, Mary, you know these men being helped to 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 read and and getting out of prison 
And but the most important thing they they can learn after they know how they that they can read would be to read the Bible Amen. and to become you know the men of God that that, that God wants them to be and to be the uh, the leaders of, the, of their homes. Uh, we had a, a big um, a men's group meeting yesterday at our church, and um, there was about two thousand men there. Amen. For two hours, and the pastor spoke, and, uh, and it was on leadership. Um, you know, just being the, the leader of the home, and and um, yeah, how to to be a servant and be a leader at the same time. Um, yeah, to get these men to to read and 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 grasp, you know, the Bible and who Jesus is, uh, and bring them into their their lives um, would be, you know. It, It'll it'll just life changing, yes. And their kids and their families. So that's it. That's it. Amen. Anybody you got ten seconds? Anybody? (laughs) I just thank you for having me on. I think the next time we come on, we will share the results. Sorry, Tank. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask about IRBs and how you get data and, and get authority to do studies, but that's a long process. Only here with Save it for next time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, listen, we're gonna we're gonna get you set up with us as soon as possible. Come you come back in, and in the meantime, we know how to pray. So uh, one more time, tell them, uh, tell the folks how to get a hold of you. You can Google Marianne Cintron and I'll pop up. You can say meetmarianne.com to schedule a meeting with me. But my website is dyslexia-solutions.com. And it'll look just like that, folks. And you're all set to go. And she'll be able to fill you in on everything that you need right there. And uh, you'll be ready to go. So, boy, on behalf of everybody here, and thank you, Dr. Cintron. And, and we appreciate it very much. And uh, you're willing, Marianne, to us. But we appreciate both of you and your ministry and your lives. And we thank God for you. And uh, Ron, <laughs> this we'll have fun. It'll be really great. And we'll go with your first question next time there, Tank. We'll be ready to go with that one, okay? So um, we'll be set to go. Paul, was that a good answer? You all said? That's right. Good. You do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, well, half everybody, hey, two to same, same time, same station next Thank week. Uh, we're going to begin with the Texas whistleblower. You're going to hear things from the field of medicine the next two weeks. You won't believe. I shared a little bit with that with Dr. Cintron. You won't believe some of the things you're going to hear. Um, it's an incredible testimony, but God's working and everything. God is so alive in today in this nation. Strap in, hold on. He wants to use all of us. Good days are coming. So if somebody often says, uh, be a good cheer, you know, fear not. Move ahead. Here we go. God's doing something. We'll see you next week. He's closing. God bless you. We'll see you later. Thank you, Thank you guys again. Thank you. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk. Listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. 
You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.